Since March of this year, families have been forced to scramble and readjust their finances, homes, and lives to deal with this pandemic and the fallout from it. Today, we're going to look at how you can reset and simplify things so that you'll have less stress and more options this summer. Welcome to Simplify and Enjoy, the podcast and community focused on helping families have less stress and more options through minimalism and financial independence. I'm your host, Elle Martinez. This podcast is sponsored by Coastal Credit Union. Coastal's mission is to help you live a better life by offering you a better way to bank. Find out how at bankbetter.org. Since the first half of this season, we've had some dramatic shifts, to say the least. The original plan after a short break in April was to come back and start episodes last month. But of course, because of the coronavirus and the stay-at-home orders, everything got shifted around. I decided to push back till this week the podcast because I wanted to partner up with our sponsor, Coastal Credit Union, to do a mini series specifically designed around how do you deal with the financial fallout of the coronavirus. And even though I'm happy to have the ability to kind of shift things and put out that mini series, I also realized that it's only one piece of the puzzle. We focused, of course, on finances, and that's because it's something that we deal with regularly. And while I am grateful that we had the ability to shuffle things around schedule-wise so we could do that mini series and deal with the immediate uh, financial fallout from the coronavirus and the stay-at-home orders, I felt like it was incomplete. And so for this second half of Simplify and Enjoy, I want to fix that. I want to do a better job of talking about this intersection with our finances, what we're doing at home, and also with our lives. How can we, especially this summer, take what is going on and put ourselves in a more financially stable and a better position so we can use finances, not as the goal, but as a tool. So we can start building our lives, if we haven't already, around the people and and projects that matter most to us. And it's not going to be easy. Depending on where we are starting, it can be quite a big shift. And as things are lifting with restrictions, many of us are trying to find our footing again, and we're reworking and resetting our finances, our homes, and our lives. And so since we're still in the middle of this crisis, I'm going to be focusing on what we can do now, especially this summer, to get to a better spot. So for the next round of episodes, we're going to peel back and look at these different layers. How can you simplify this summer and beyond so that you can have more options and less stress? Specifically, I want to talk about where you can get some big wins with your money, around the house, and in your lives. So in this particular episode, we're going to get into how to rework your budget to make it work for what's going on now and set you up for better wins ahead. We're going to be talking about how to kind of reorganize and get your home in a spot that it can fit your family's current needs and how you can adjust your routine so you feel less overwhelmed this summer. I know it's a lot to cover, so let's get started. (laughs) 
So before we jump into how to rework your budget, we should take a step back and just talk about why we should even bother having a budget. Believe it or not, I believe your finances is a lot like your health. You know, some people think of their budget kind of the same as a very restrictive diet. You know, they can't do this. They can't spend here. It's just a bunch of no's. And just like any hardcore diet, most people will quit after a while. Now, you will have some people be on a very strict diet for a specific reason, or you might have some people just their personality fits that. And that's the same with budgets. Sometimes when you have a very specific goal, when you have a high interest debt that you're trying to get rid of, you may be more intense than you would otherwise. But for the most part, if you feel like your budget is more like a straitjacket, then you're going to quit. So if you see your budgets like that, that they are restrictions, that they are basically a cage, then I can understand why you don't like them. So I'm going to tell you, please, try something differently. Let's look at this like a healthy diet. Now, around the world, there are healthy people and they're eating a variety of foods based on what's available to them. And what you see here is no matter where you go, there are going to be certain principles with a healthy diet. You know, you got to watch your portions. You want to avoid highly processed foods. However, there's space within those guidelines where you can eat well and enjoy it. So, Try to see your budget that same way too. There are definitely essential guidelines with budgets, you know, like spend less than you earn, pay yourself first and avoid unnecessary debt. And with the sustainable, financially healthy budget, there's also gonna be three main goals that your budget should be hitting. The first one is making sure that you take care of your essential bills, gaining some financial stability, and then having some money to spend so you can enjoy life now. And when there's friction with finances that I've seen with couples and with families, a lot of times it's because one or more of those goals aren't being met. So for example, if your bills aren't being paid, you almost have this like weight on your chest. And if you don't have any savings or anything really as a financial buffer, you're gonna have this kind of anxiety or not in your stomach. And then when you don't have any money to spend now, any money to enjoy, you just feel resentful. So when you are able to create a sustainable budget that hits those three targets, you're more than likely able to enjoy the now, save up for later, and stick with the budget. Okay, so hopefully you're on board with getting your budget to work. Now, how do you do that? Well, there's two key things that you need to do. The first one is you have to define your goals. And we're going to look at this summer since we're kind of going over this like reset of our finances during the summer. And then your long-term goals. And then assess where you are now. You really have to weigh in both so you can come in with the right budget that fits you. We are all being hit by this pandemic, but it's affecting us differently. And therefore, we're going to be approaching things differently as we rework our budget. You know, you might have a family new on their path to financial freedom when this pandemic hit and their income has dropped or is on shaky ground because of what's going on. So they're going to have a different goal than a family who's further down the line on their FI journey and whose jobs are somewhat stable. 
So for example, let's take us at the beginning when we were married and then us versus now. Now, when we were first married, my husband had a job, his first job out, out of college making I want to say like 35,000 a year, if I remember correctly. And then I had a part-time internship. I was wrapping up school about 13 an hour. So weren't making a ton of money. But if we were in that situation now where I have a part-time job, I'm not sure what's going to be happening in the next few months, if it's still going to be there. And then if he has that job where it's a little more steady, but the income is not great, then I would say for your goals, start looking at building that financial cushion. You want to have that safety net. And the typical advice you hear is maybe save $1,000 just as a starter budget. But because of this situation, you want to really kind of hone in on at least three to six months of just essential expenses. So should one of you lose your income, should there be a drop in income, you can at least take care of the essential expenses and kind of ride things out a little bit. So that would be advice that I would give for a couple for their more immediate goal. Now, if I was talking to us today, like when we were looking at our finances with the pandemic, we were hit. Uh, My husband's job is Uh, more steady, but I seen a drop of income being a personal finance writer. There are some companies that are pulled back and scaling back on some of their projects, but that's fine. We do have a financial cushion, but so far we haven't had to tap into that. So what we're looking at though, is making sure that we are shoring up because there's still always a possibility it can be a more drop in income, but then also taking opportunities. Could we invest with the market sometimes being down? That's a possibility. And then also another goal uh, that we've been working towards anyway, long-term is opportunities to give, which sometimes is discussed in finances, but I don't think nearly enough, where if you are in a good position, are there ways that you can help others, especially with something as huge as this and with such disparity between how you're going to get through this. So that's kind of an example there, defining your goals, both for right now, your more immediate goals, and then of course, talk about your long-term goals. Where do you want to work from? And then the second piece is assessing where are you now? And if you're not exactly sure how you're doing financially, please understand It is normal. A lot of us have, I know we were guilty of this years ago where we had an idea of where our finances were, but we could not give you an exact number. And this is where I see uh, FinTech being a great option for a lot of families. You have money apps like Personal Capital, Mint, HoneyFi, you know, Zeta, where you can pull that information all in into an app and then see all your accounts in a snapshot. Or if you're more of a spreadsheet person, you can definitely go that route. Google Sheets is a great option. But then also there's a tool called Personal Capital, which kind of gives you the best of both in that you can have a completely customized spreadsheet, but the data is pulled for you from your bank and other accounts. So when you have options like this, this makes that second step easier, which is where are we now with our finances? And the reason you need these two is you're building a plan 
to work towards that. Your money should be taking you closer to whatever your goals are. Yes, you're going to have those traditional financial goals like saving, you know, and hopefully down the line, like investing for the future. But then also goals like vacations, goals like, you know, if you decide that you want to switch careers or help out family members, whatever those goals are, when you define it, and you know where you're starting from, it's easier to work backwards and come up with a plan. Right now, though, I know it feels like it's almost impossible to think very long-term. So just focus right now on what where you would like to be in the next year. So this season and next year, if that's easier to start reworking your budget. Now, of course, there are so many different ways that you can handle a budget, but one framework that I recommend as a starting point is the 50-20-30 budget. And the reason I like this is because it really simplifies things. We talked about those three targets. Well, that's what the budget hits. 50% goes to your essential needs. You have 20% for savings or, you know, for example, if you're paying down debt, that would kind of fit in that category. And then 30% would be discretionary or things for now. Now the percentage, I would flip the 20 and the 30, but the idea I love about this is that it helps you focus on a few main goals rather than changing everything and worrying about every single line item. So start out with that. I do have a spreadsheet available. I'll include that in the show notes if you want to use that, but there's definitely some templates out there available as well. And so what you're doing here is that you're evaluating and making sure that there isn't a problem area with your budget. So as you're putting in and categorizing your expenses, you'll get a clearer idea of what area needs to be focused on first. And so don't try to change everything at once, but focus on one key category. Again, if you're at the beginning of your financial journey and you're at this point where your income is a question mark, you're not sure how it's going to be affected within the next three months, definitely lean on hard on making sure you have that financial cushion. And if you're in a better spot, definitely look for opportunities to maybe invest more, maybe also see if you can help out uh, donating your time or resources so that other families can be in a better spot too. So hopefully you got the tools that you need to create a budget that you love and will stick with. One of the biggest shifts that we've had to do because of the coronavirus and the stay-at-home orders is get our house prepared for remote learning. We have an eight-year-old in third grade who needed a dedicated space so that she could have some quiet time, be able to focus in and watch the video lessons and be able to participate in projects where she's not distracted. And so we went ahead and we converted the guest room. And probably like you, we realized we just had to create space by taking stuff out. And that was one of the biggest things that we've been doing throughout this is decluttering our space. And I feel like that has been one of the most beneficial things that we've done around the house. Decluttering, yes, it frees up the space, but it also reduces stress. Our kids are less likely 
to ask for where certain things are because it's easier to find them. And then also we are getting rid of stuff that we're not using or they're outgrown. Now, the challenge is I got some resistance from both the kids and my husband. They love to keep things, even if it doesn't fit them or they don't even use it. So what I did instead of the whole usual pack and purge method is I did it in steps. And so first thing I did was grab some grocery bags, like the paper bags with the handles or just the regular standard and put a couple in each room. And with the kids, I asked them, what things don't fit you put in this bag? And for toys to rank them, most favorites to least favorite. And what was beneficial was having these containers where if it didn't fit in it, couldn't be included, allowed them to start prioritizing what was important to them. So going through that, that allowed them to start seeing that there were certain toys they didn't care as much and that they were willing to part with. So that went to the immediate donate pile. And then there were the toys where they still wanted them, but they didn't play with them as often as their favorites. And I made a compromise and I think this was helpful. We put them in a dedicated space in the basement. And so if they wanted to get them, they could go ahead and grab them out of the toy box. But again, this was a way for them to discover maybe we don't need to have as much stuff. And so they went ahead and did that. And just recently we did another donation. So if you're kind of in the middle of this transforming your home, trying to find space where you have it, doing it in steps has made a big difference. And then having your kids part of the process has been helpful. And then with my husband, just like I think all of us are guilty with, I'll, I'll eventually fit back into those clothes. I separated the clothes, the ones that he hadn't used. Um, and then he put some in the bag as well. And then just kind of put that to the side in a different room in a closet. And if he needed it, it was there to access it. I wasn't going to immediately donate it or, or sell it or whatever. But again, you see not having it there didn't really affect them. So if you're struggling with this where you are trying to make space and your family's kind of pushing against that, see if you can do it in steps where it is still in the house, but not as easily accessible. And that can maybe make it a little less stressful on you and make the process of either selling or donating it much easier on them. I don't know any family that has not had their schedule and routine completely thrown off because of the stay-at-home orders. Between our own work schedules and having remote learning at home, we've had to shift things around to make it work for everyone. And to be honest, is it perfect? No. But we do have something that allows us to at least keep moving towards our goals and have somewhat of a routine. So I kind of want to take you through some of the changes we've made in the spring to make things work for the family and then kind of go over what we're thinking about doing this summer. That way you can create a plan and routine that fits you and your particular family's needs. So the first thing I want to advise any and all parents as they're creating these routines is to give yourself some grace. We are all trying our best to make it work and it's not going to be perfect. 
and you have to be flexible enough to adjust it. For us, it was almost on a weekly basis. We had to adjust things. We had to regularly talk about what's coming up. So my husband has a traditional office job where he is able to work remotely, thankful for that. And then I work from home, been doing that for the last 10 years. And so I do have some more flexibility with my schedule, but I still have weekly deadlines and monthly deadlines with some clients. So one of the first things we did was create a schedule. And we do not have it by the hour. What we found that's been most helpful is to create a schedule uh, based on blocks of time. And so for my husband, he would let us know, like, here's where the meetings are scheduled, where he cannot be disturbed. I would let him know when I'm, for example, recording podcasts, interviews, or recording for the videos when I needed time alone here in the office to get this done. And so that was one of those things that we had to kind of nail down by the beginning of the week. And then for our little one, we did not do um, a strict school schedule on that. Like she had to do it from nine to one. What we did is we did blocks in the morning and in the afternoon we kind of separated it. So the morning block, we had her start about the same time that she did with her regular school schedule. And then for about an hour and a half, have her in her room, her little um, school room that we created in the guest room and take care of the lessons from her homeroom teacher, talking about the core subjects like math, English, science, and social studies. And then she would have a break and we would use those breaks kind of as a reward and for a way for her to kind of relax. So she would catch up with friends, work on her little projects that she wanted to do. And then what we did is after lunch, we had another block of time. And this would be for her other subjects. And in the school, they call them the specials, art, music, technology, Spanish, and media. And so by separating them, the the morning routine and the after routine, we still kept her on a schedule, but then we also had to acknowledge that this is different. It is very hard to tell a, a grade schooler, you know, to focus in on each of these tasks for the whole day continuously. So that helped us. We took the schedule and we looked at blocks. It's helped us for our work and it's helped our oldest with her schoolwork. And then speaking of work, something that's been helpful is looking for opportunities where you can adjust your schedule. I know for some, that is not an option, but in certain cases where you are working remotely and you have a more flexible manager or the company is focused on results and not sign in at very particular times, this can be very helpful. So for me, Again, I still had those weekly goals and deadlines I had to meet as well as monthly. And I've kind of done like a swing shift. So I do get up in the morning early, but if you're more of an evening person, you can adjust as uh, you need to. So in the morning, I took care of essentials. Anything that I had a contract with for deadlines, I focus in on my morning block. And then if I can during the day, I do the short admin things. Um, touching basis, email, pinging people, phone calls. But that was also time I was helping the kids. So I found like doing those admins tasks was best. And then in the afternoon or evening, anything I did not wrap up that I had to, I would do it then. And so 
again, breaking it up into chunks and then realizing during this time of day, how noisy would it be uh, with others working or the girls doing their schoolwork? How can I work and make that fit? So if you do have flexibility, take advantage of that. Now with summer break, with our little ones, what we decided is we're still going to have that morning afternoon schedule, but we have some flexibility. So the morning we have programs like Khan Academy, the educational sites that they've been using for their schoolwork, continue doing that, having them shorter. And then in the afternoon, we try to do some projects and activities outdoors if weather permits so that they're still getting engaged, they're still getting active, but I still have windows of time where I can get certain assignments and work done. And then also have some boundaries. That was a immensely important tip. So as you saw, I had to work early in the morning. So if the girls woke up early, that was fine, but they couldn't come down and interrupt my work. And that's kind of hard, especially as a parent to tell them no to go back upstairs, but that made a huge difference. And honestly, it didn't work the first time, but after a couple of weeks, they got to the routine to the point where now they know. And then finally, we talked about setting aside time for work, setting aside time for school, but then also making sure that you set aside time for some self-care. And that means as parents, you know, if we're working and taking care of the kids, you're going to get burned out. You're going to get tired. So what we've done is we've blocked out times where one of us will take the kids. And even though it's like half an hour a day, it's enough for us to kind of clear ahead and relax and we can do whatever we want. It's just half an hour of quiet time or if you want to do some kind of activity, you can. So again, the most important thing I want to say is do not beat yourself up if you don't have a perfect routine, if you don't have a schedule where you keep 24-7. Instead, see the wins that you do have and just Try to improve little by little and make adjustments as needed so that you and your family can take care of what you need to, but then also take care of each other and yourselves during these stressful times. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm going to have the resources that we mentioned included in the show notes over at simplifyandenjoy.com. And I'm also going to have a link to the video edition of this episode if YouTube is more your thing later this week. Yep, I'm doing more videos this half of the season. So please, if you haven't already, go to YouTube, Simplify and Enjoy, and click on subscribe. And if you're looking for a better banking option and you live in the Raleigh, North Carolina area, please check out our sponsor, Coastal Credit Union. Not only do they sponsor the podcast, we've been members of Coastal for years and have been really happy with the competitive rates and great customer service. Not only do we have a checking in savings account with them, again, something important that we mentioned in this episode, but we also use them when we were buying this house. So if you are looking for something that is more holistic, looking for a better partner with your finances, check out Coastal at simplifyandenjoy.com slash bank better. And next week on the podcast, we're going to look at some popular tips and trends in the personal finance space and dig in to see if it's really the best path for you and your family. Now, automation is a popular tip. Even I talk about it 
in personal finance. And for us, it's been incredibly helpful. We've been able to knock out our debt faster and hit our goals with saving and investing. But is the whole set it and forget it method best for you? We'll look into that. Another popular thing to blast out, especially in the financial independence space, is living your life as cheaply as possible. Is that the right goal to chase? Or is there a better approach so that you can live well on less? We're going to be looking at this all next week. So if you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed. You don't want to miss out on that episode. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts from. And our music today was from Lee Rosefear and musicians over at Audio. And finally, I just want to say thank you so much for your support. But if you ever have any questions, please reach out. Join the community, simplifyandenjoy.com slash join. You can reach out to me and ask those questions. I want to help as best I can. I hope you have a wonderful week. Take care.